0: Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message.
1: Well, hold on. Right? Anytime somebody tells you to hold on, you're about to experience something that will either capture your attention, right, or make you scream like a 10 year old girl. Right? One of those two you ever been in a car with somebody and they said, hold on. They have very specific pieces of equipment in each car just for that purpose. Hold on. right? Seatbelt a little bit tighter. Grab the door handle. If it's my wife, she grabs my hand, which is not always helpful. She'll grab it right about here and say, hold on. She grabs it here and we end up going that way. That wasn't exactly what I talked about. But when somebody says, hold on, you know what you better do? You better hold on. (laughs) Today we're gonna talk about the challenges that we face, the places in life where we're maybe hanging on, and what it means to get a new grip. Because if you don't have a good grip when somebody says, hold on, what happens? You go flying, right? You get knocked about, you get beat up. You experience pain that wasn't intended. Now, our text today is Hebrews 12, 12 through 13. So if you have your Bible, we're going to have it on the screen, but if you have your Bible, I want you to open to that, and then we're going to jump over to Isaiah 35. So if you're a person who likes to write in your Bible like I do, put one, we're going to be in Hebrews 12, but put your finger in Isaiah 35. So Isaiah 12, 12 through 13. Says this. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who come, those those who are weak and lame, will not fall but become strong. Get a new grip with your tired hands. You ever have to get a new grip? Ever have to hang you've been hanging on to something so long you have to kind of get a new grip? Leo's my son, my five-year-old, is, is learning to do monkey bars, and that's terrifying, because he's actually a- abnormally unafraid of gravity. He doesn't really get the concept, and physics, I guess, partially too, because he jumps for it, and he'll hang up there, and it's twice his body height, right? Kind of like, hey, that's, that's a long way down, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to go for the next one, and he reaches out, and I'm just going, like, wow. And he has yet to, at least in my presence, miss it and hit the ground. He kind of, whoa, and he falls in my arms. and ah, That's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> can you try and not do that when I'm not here? As we read the scripture, you can tell that the writer is saying, hey, you guys have been through it. You guys have been through some stuff. You guys have been through some hard things. I, I wonder why he's telling them to get a new grip. Well, it says just a few few chapters before that that they've been going through some things. It says, in fact, that they've been being persecuted. They've been been having people turn their backs on them. They've been exposed out in the open because they were following God. It hasn't been easy. But he talks to them about faith and about getting a new grip, and he says, listen, you're going to make it. You just need to get a new grip. See, five through eleven, or Hebrews twelve, five through eleven says this. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you not completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father? Addresses son and says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They discipline us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Can I get an amen? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So, there's your context. Then we get to the verse, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled. So, it seems they've been going through some trials. They've been struggling with some tough things in life, and it's important to know that God didn't Put these things on them. If you read further in or further back, you'll see that they've been struggling with sin in their life. That stuff in their own life has put them into a position to be struggling. God didn't go, here, have some of this. Can you handle it? Here, have some of that. Can you handle it? What God didn't do is remove the entire painful situation. He said, I'm here with you in it. My discipline is letting you deal with it. With me. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm here in it with you. I got in trouble a couple times at school, just a couple, and my dad would always come with me to the principal's meeting and say, listen, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm here with you. Whatever punishment they deal out, you earned it, but I'm here with you. Because if you run your car into a pole and say, God, why did you do this to me? God goes, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Let me fix your car. Like, Wouldn't that be great? that's not how it works. When we stumble in our own lives in sin, we create consequences for ourselves. That's what's happening here. It's not God's throwing discipline at them. God is disciplining them by not removing all of the pain that they are experiencing as a result of the sin they've been engaging in. But that doesn't mean that it's not hard. And I don't know about you, but when I'm struggling through some things, whether self-inflicted or not, I ask myself the question. Maybe you've been asking yourself, asking some of your, yourself some of these same questions. What are we going to do? This is hard. This I can't. What are we going to do? Some of it comes out of nowhere. Some of it comes from our own mistakes. But what? What are we going to do? How in the world are we going to make it? Why is this happening? When will all this be over? That's an important question we want the answer to immediately, don't we? I can deal with this as long as I know how long, right? I can do anything for a week as long as I know it's over in seven days. Just let me know how long I got to be here, God. What do we do if we don't make it? What if we don't make it to the other side? What if this Mm -hmm. breaks us? Are any of these questions familiar to you? Are these questions you've been asking yourself these days? In response to those questions, they may have said things like, I can't take this anymore. I'm this close to giving up. I quit. I'm so sick of feeling this way. I imagine some of the people that were in this church were feeling that same way. So, what does the author here call us to do? He says to do this hold on to him and hold on to each other, hold on to God and hold on to each other. Do you see the picture? Clinging tightly to the Lord with one hand and reaching out, grasping those around you, right? There's a picture of the church that looks like this. Some people, it's a circle of people reaching out from the circle, right? All the people back to back in a circle reaching out. Now the strength of that particular picture is that everyone can reach in and pull people in. The problem is you can't see anybody behind you and what they need, and the people next to you you can't really see them because you're doing this. That's one philosophy of how to do church. There's another philosophy where everybody's facing in with their back to the the world, and everyone can see each other and is very good at dealing with each other's needs and helping each other. That's really not a good picture either, because if you're on the outside, you can't get in. The best picture is us hanging on to each other in the circle and reaching out at the same time. That we can see each other and support each other and invite those who want to come in, and it's easy for them to get and Do you see the picture hanging on to each other? Right? And hanging on to God. That that's, that's how it's supposed to be. The author says here, I know it's hard right now, but hold on to him and hold on to each other. Why? Well, because if we reach for anything else, we have to let go of one of those two things. We have to either let go of each other, the support that comes in a family of faith like this, or let go of God. And maybe in your life, like mine, you've done that sometimes. You've either let go of God and reach for stuff. God, I, I need you, but I need this stuff too. I don't know if I need these people. I just want my stuff, and I start gathering around. Or I'm hanging on to my friends, and I reach for status, or I reach for things that will make me feel better, or the logic of life. God, I don't, I don't want your plan. I want to be able to figure it all out. I want to know what's next, and I to know what the plan. Or just comfort. I want something that makes me feel better, God because you are not making me feel better. In order to really get through, we have to hold on to him and hold on to God, hold on to him and hold on to our people at the same time, hold on to each other and hold on to God, because that's the only way we're gonna make it. That is the only way we'll make it. There's this false indestructibility of boys that I kind of miss that Leo has that they think they're gonna live forever, that they're indestructible. I, I remember the fact that I survived my childhood a miracle because I pushed the boundaries of this particular truth, right? My brother and I were constantly climbing trees with other boys in the neighborhood. There was one particular tree, it was called the tree. You ever growing up, there was like the tree you went to, to climb? And we went and we found old boards that probably never should have been nailed to anything. And that was our fort, just platforms. Right of rickety boards that you could basically drop coins down through. And then we stood on these and had complete faith in the construction of them. And we were always trying to go higher, higher as the, as the tree grew and as our courage grew we went higher and higher and every once in a while we would kind of go out on some limbs and it was, whoa, I'm not sure about that. And i never forget one day I, I, I was reaching for the, a branch above me, never thinking about the one below me. And I was reaching and reaching and I had hold on this, and the branch below me, and I don't know if you've ever had a branch crack on you and go down. It doesn't. There's almost no warning. It doesn't go, I'm breaking. It goes, and it is no longer there. And I was hanging about 20 feet in the air as an eight-year-old boy, and I looked down, and my brother's down there, and I don't know what I expected from him, but I was like, help! My brother's two years younger than me. Five-year-old, or six-year-old him goes, Hold on. Was that a sentence I needed at, at that point in my life? No. Those two seconds were completely a waste of time. You could have spent those two seconds running, right? Hold on. I don't need that. I need you to run and get someone larger than you or a sheet or a mattress or a miracle. I don't know because I'm hanging here 20 feet and there's nowhere to go. Did he think I needed encouragement? Hold on, you're gonna, it's gonna be okay. It doesn't feel like it's gonna be okay. I mean, if you're, if you really, do you really think me hanging this high in the air, like my first thought would be, I'm just gonna hang here and see what happens. Just see how long I can hang. I wonder what happens when I fall. I wonder if it'll hurt. My brother at some point decided he would go get help, and a friend of mine, Chris, decided that he would climb up and help me get off the the limb. If he hadn't, I would probably be about three inches shorter than I am today. But there was a moment there when I didn't know what to do. I was caught between what I was hanging on to and the thing that had just fallen out from under me. Sometimes when you're just hanging on, you don't need anything profound. It's just hold on. God's saying to you, just hold on. Hold on, helps us a little bit more. That's what the writer says. He says, just hold on, strengthen your grip just a little bit more. It's going to be okay. Just hold on. I play basketball, and and when you play with people you know, it's really fun because you know what they can and can't do. There's a confidence in them, right? There are certain guys, when you throw them the ball, you tell them to shoot, they shoot. They shoot. If they were nervous about what to do, they know what to do now. I have confidence in you. You can do this. Shoot the ball. God is saying that. The writer is saying that through this. You can do this. I have confidence in you. Hang on. You can do it. Hold on to him and hold on to each other because it's the only way we're going to make it. Hold on to him and hold on to each other because you can't control some of this stuff. Some of the stuff that happens to us that that we have to walk through is is difficult, right? Again, they didn't earn the Lord's discipline. They weren't bad. They were experiencing what was happening not only because of sin, but in the culture. As Christians, they were being persecuted. People were coming for them because they believed in God. The question is, not whether or not you will experience pain, right? That, that question is already, let me just, if you aren't aware, it's coming. Pain is something we will experience. It's not whether or not, it's what will happen as a result of the pain you experience. A band that I grew up listening to, Cademan's Call, has a, a really cool line. He said, the prince of despair has been beaten, but the loser still fights. We've already beaten him, but he is still fighting. The writer says, I know it's hard right now, but what will you do with it? The writer says, it will pass, but what will it have produced in you? If you are in Isaiah 35 and you have a pen, I want to encourage you to circle some things. I'm going to read a piece of the scripture to you. He talks about the desert, Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance. He with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes, this is not something that's happening now. This is something that is promised. As a result of Isaiah 35, here's what we see. When it passes, the Lord will be. He will be who he is. He says, I am who I am. God does not change. His love for you cannot change. He can't love you more. Whether you are following him or not, there is no way to increase the love of God for you. It has turned up to 100 no matter what you do. So when you are walking through the hard thing, God will be, the question is, what will you be? Because it's hard doesn't mean It can't grow you. God never wastes pain. He never wastes pain if you give it to Him. He never wastes pain if you give it to Him. The thing you're walking through can be used for good if you give it to Him. The problem is sometimes we hang on a little too tight. You know that climbers, when they climb, don't use a grip that's too tight. When they are climbing things, they don't, call, they don't use what's called a crushing grip, because what can happen is your hand can cramp, and you can fall because you can't let go of what it is you're holding on to. You will become paralyzed on the rock because you can't let go. It works the same way with us. Sometimes we reach for things that we think we have confidence in, that we have comfort in, and we can't let go of them because we've been hanging on to them too tight, And when pain comes through, we're like, no, no, but this is, I know, at least I know what kind of pain this is. I don't know what you've got for me, God. I'm just going to hang up here on this rock. But a clenched fist is a dead giveaway for control. It's a dead giveaway that I am hanging on to what I want. If right now in your seat you have a clenched fist, I want you to just notice that that God may be talking to you about what you're hanging on to because this may be a message you're not really excited about. What's your goal? Do, you, do people resent your clenched grip? Are you hanging on to other people's stuff? Are, are you hanging on to something that's not yours? Are you allowing God to work in you as you walk through this hard thing? Because it can be a pain that God uses or it can become a bitterness that eats you. bitterness builds walls and then it gets defensive and then being defensive isn't enough then we become offensive because we want what we want and we are hanging on to the wrong things we have let go of the people let go of god we have grabbed onto the things that we are comfortable with and we are slowly imploding bitterness is the opposite of being grateful Is it grateful for the things I'm walking through, grateful for the pain I'm experiencing? I'm not saying you have to say, God, thank you for all the things, the ways that this is making me weep this morning. I'm so excited about all the hard things that you have entrusted me with. What you can say is thank you, God, for the ways that you are with me in this, that you are changing and shaping me through this, and I believe that you will be at the end because God will be there all the way through at the end What will you be when you've walked through it? Will you have let it shape you into one who is grateful? Or will you have let it shape you into someone who's got their fists up? You will become a new creation one way or the other. Either a new creation in Christ that he is making new or a new creation in your bitterness and in your solitude and in your defense. I know this because I have done that, and it doesn't work, friends. I've tried that way, and it is not helpful. In fact, it hurts relationships. It isolates you away from God and from others. It makes you feel less and less like there is hope. I put in my notes here, my dad is a guy he works with asphalt. He puts parking lots together and he does the construction and kind of estimating, he said to me all the time, listen, you can either be the worker who pushes the asphalt in front of the steamroller, or if you step in front of the steamroller, you become part of the road. When pain's coming your way, if you step in front of it and just say, I don't want to move, I'm not going to move, it'll run you over. You become part of the road, and it doesn't teach you anything, and you just lay there on the road in your pain. That's not what God has for us. What he wants is for us to hang on to him and hang on to each other. Why? Because you're not alone. Isn't that great? We are not alone. I want you to look around, like really look around. And I want you to look at at least a couple faces of people who you know are there for you. And if you don't know anybody here, it's your first Sunday, you look at me. I'm here for you. I may not even know your name, but I'm here for you. Everybody who has welcomed you this morning, if you were to let them into your life, they would be here for you. We are not designed to do this alone. And so if you are struggling, I want to encourage you to open up to someone because you are not designed to do it alone. Because is there anything worse than hanging by a branch with no one running for help? Because that outcome is sure. But not only are there people who can be here for you in your pain, there are those saints and those of us who have been following God for a long time, I want to tell you, there are watchers. There are not only the faithful who are offering encouragement. That's what they do. They pay attention. They are attentive to the needs of the hurting. They see you when you're hurt. And as they talked about life groups, that's exactly why those exist. So you can be connected with people so they can see and you can share life with them. But also, there are in this scripture, the weak and the lame. Those who are struggling, who are trying, who are looking at you to see how you navigate this. Is this God thing actually real in your life? Or are you just going to handle this pain that you're experiencing just like I do? And if you handle pain just like I do, then why would I change the way I engage with God? Because he doesn't seem to be making a difference in the way you're experiencing pain. They're watching Leo said something to me the other day. He said, Daddy, do you cry when you get hurt? I said, yeah. He goes, are you sure? I mean, yes. No, I don't think you do. Why not? Well, because I haven't seen you cry yet. You've seen me cry, well, not with a boo-boo, not with an ouchie. Okay, fair. He said, so do you? I said, yeah. said, so I can? Yeah. And it'll be okay? Yeah. Okay. When you go through pain, it's okay to cry. When you walk through things that you can't handle without each other, it's okay to lean on somebody. I was in a board meeting just a few weeks ago, and the beautiful exchange of encouragement, the stories and the the ways that your board members support each other is beautiful. Will you let people be there with you so that those who are younger watching you know that it's okay to be hurt? It's okay to walk through something and that when we do, we reach for people because that's what we do. We hang on to God and we hold on to each other. When we experience pain, they're watching to see, is this really what you do or is that just something that you say? Do we love each other enough to make ourselves uncomfortable in our pain? Are we going to spend time pushing forward or just trying to work it out in our own tools? Because if you reach for anything else, you have to let go of one of those two things, either let go of God or let go of the people who are there for you. And if you're hanging on to the rest of us, if you let go of him and you hang, you're hanging on to us, you become, and I don't mean this in a judgy way, you become a drag on the group. Now, what I'm not saying is if you're experiencing pain and you're having a hard time holding on to God, just let go of us and we'll just leave you there because we got to get going. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you are experiencing pain and you're hanging on to God and us, then we together get to benefit from what you walk through, because I promise you what you're walking through is something somebody else is walking through also. They can tell you how they experienced God in their pain. If you let go of us, you'll find it hard to hang on alone, If you let go of God, then it's hard for us to be there for you because you're not connected to him. And as we point to solutions, our solutions are about you and God. But if you let go of God, then on your own, it's tough. Without the support of a family like this, that's why we do life groups. Can I show you something really gross? You know what that is? This is the the response portion. Do you know what that is? What are those? Ants. This is, and this is a thing. Look it up later. This is an ant ball. This happens when it floods. These are fire ants. They grip onto each other. They hang onto each other, and the ball actually rotates in the water so that nobody drowns. Isn't that the most beautiful, disgusting, terrifying thing? And when they get to a part of land, now they're literally like clipped onto each other. They're not just like, hey, holding hands. They are bit like, without killing each other, biting onto each other in safe ways. (laughs) What say, I'm not an ant, but that's what happens. They don't die, they just float until they hit something that is not in the water. Then you know what they do? Like a net, they deploy, biting onto that thing as hard as they possibly can, and the other ants crawl over them, and they spread like a blanket. Do you know how I know this? When I was seven years old in Houston, Texas, having never lived there in my life, all of the, the floodwaters came up, and I was, we had a cul-de-sac, and it flooded, so it was like right here. We're out playing it, splashing it, it was the grossest thing, like there's sewer water, was like, yeah, it's flooding! Parents are like, get out of there! And I'm like, look at this thing right here, it's floating! What is that? And was, I thought it was some kind of nerf. I don't know. Listen, look at this gross ball. And I turned away and it bumped up against my leg. And I looked down and that was no longer a ball. It was a carpet of fire ants. And they were, I thought, man, those guys have been, haven't eaten in a long time. They were real hungry because they were all biting me at the same time. And I did like this and only half of them came off and they poop, came into a ball again. I was like, what is happening? It's like a horror movie. I just, what? They survive by hanging on to each other, and then when they come to solid ground, they hang on with everything they have, pulling everybody up with them, and that is how we're designed to do too. We hang on to each other until we can find solid ground and grip onto that with everything we have so that everyone else is connected to him and connected to us at the same time as though we are fighting for our lives. Because here in Hebrews, they are. This is not a casual thing he says to them. We are fighting for our lives, so you have to hold on to God and hold on to each other. Because if you let go of either one of those things, you're not going to make it. So I put in here a question to be answers. What does it mean to hold on to him? That means listening to him, spending time in his word, turning to him when we experience pain, spending time in prayer, and I talked to a, a couple folks beforehand because was, there's was a part of this that I was struggling with. And at the end, I'm going to give you an invitation. Because part of what I didn't put in here is that in order to hold on to God, to grab onto Him, maybe get a new grip, some of us in here have to let go of something that we've been hanging on to. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Because sometimes we just need an invitation, we just need an opportunity. But you need a moment where somebody says, you can let go now of that and grab onto him or grab onto us. Or it may just be a, a way of saying, I need someone to grab onto because I feel like I'm hanging out by myself alone. And I don't know how much longer I can hang on. At the end, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. But I want you to be listening for the Holy Spirit to be putting his finger on that thing because he may already be doing it. What it means to hang on to each other is really simple. There are things we've heard before, don't gossip about each other. Treat each other with kindness. Speak truth to each other. Love each other. Be there with, for each other. When you need something physically, when you need emotional support, being there for each other. Jesus took our sin. He took our place and we are grateful for that and that's what it means to hang on to him living through pain with gratefulness. At the end of Isaiah 35, it says this, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beasts. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will return to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. God will be there all the way through this. He is here even now. And I'm going to invite Adam to come and play. I'm I'm throwing him a curveball this morning. And I want to invite you to stand, just because it's easier that way. As you stand, I want to invite you in a very... Old school sounds weird because I'm the youth pastor, but maybe a, a customary way. I want to give you a moment, an opportunity. If there are things that you need to lay down... Here in this place, we, I want to invite you to be vulnerable enough to say, I, I want that. I don't, I don't want to go past this moment without giving you that opportunity. And I, This wasn't in my notes, and I, I didn't want to do this this morning. God wouldn't leave me alone about it. So that means there's somebody who needs to hear it. If this morning that's you, I want to invite you to do one of several things. Maybe just you and God need to spend some time there talking about it. Maybe you'd like to come and kneel at an altar because there's something about the altar. I don't know what it is. I can't quantify for you. These are pieces of wood. There's nothing magical about them, but it, there's something about a, a moment in time where we kneel and say, God, I, I want that. I need that. I have not been hanging on to you. I've been hanging on to something else and I need to let go of that and I'm not even sure how If you have something, and again, if you have something you need to let go of, I want to give you a moment. Just a moment. To come and either kneel here, to kneel there at your seat, just for you and God to talk. Because I feel like I'm supposed to offer. So would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And if that's you, I I, I don't do the long invitation thing, I just want to give a couple moments. If that's you and you need to let go of something and you'd like to come and pray, would you come now? One more moment. If that's you and you're in your seat and that that's what you need, I want to encourage you to pray something just like this, just where you're seated. God, I'm hanging on to something that's not you and that's not each other. And I need to let it go. And I want to today. Would you help me let go? Would you hang on to me as I grip onto you? Would you show me who I can hold on to? i be coming before you in a room this big and I'm sure there are many who are praying that even now. I pray, God, that you would remind us that we are here to hold on to you. That you are hanging on to us with everything you've got. Give us people to hold on to so that we can grip brand new. I pray, God, that you would show us just <clears throat> show us How? Thank you, God, for the ways you're gripping us and holding on to us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: And thanks again for joining us for the First NAS podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the app store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.